episode 102! Terminator travels alongside Monoxide. It is August 27th, 2022. How are you? Our final weekend of August before we hit September. Labor Day weekend. Crazy because I just realized that this has been 10 years since I went to California to go see SummerSlam 2012 doesn't feel that long either yeah wow i remember i remember yeah when you left to do that yeah i went to meet up with uh independent wrestler who you may know is mikey o'shea we've been friends before he became a wrestler so i went to go see him wrestle uh he was on with a show that uh what's his face eric watts was on not the eric watts that was son of bill watts but the eric watts that was on tough enough 2011 he was on that show that was really fun and that was the SummerSlam that Brock Lesnar and Triple H fought in the main event and I just remember after the match you guys might not remember this but there was a thing that WWE tried to cash on because Instagram was getting hot at that point called tout so they made me tout my reaction to Brock winning I shouldn't say they made me, but they were like, oh, can, can we have you tout real quick? I'm like, uh, yeah. How long have you known uh, uh, Mikey O'Shea? First started talking in 2007 uh, from, what else, the YouTube blogging. Um, the last time I saw him physically was in 2016 when we went to Dallas for WrestleMania. Uh, he had appeared on SmackDown as an enhancement talent for... Uh, American Alpha, Chad Gable, and Jason Jordan. And uh, he's been just hanging about. I know he has a huge TikTok following, so that's always good. I know he had just, he had blown, blown. He blew up from TikTok on other platforms for having a conversation with a fan. And he had, and, and I know it's old news, but this still is funny to this day. He had the audacity to refer to his fan as Miss. Apparently, that was a bad, bad, bad thing. Because this woman flew off the handle and just lost her shit because he called her Miss. I guess you could say MB made a mistake. I remember that video. I was like, what the hell, what the hell did he do? <laughs> I wonder if that was all fake and she just did that for... There's... I don't know. You, it's like, yeah, it's so over the top. But with how crazy our world is today, I saw somebody made a video vlog about a a, a woman in Washington, was in Seattle, who looked like a literal zombie holding a fanny pack with blood in it. And nobody could make out what this was. Some people thought it was a, a drug addict. Some people thought it was a legit zombie because she had a pale white face. She had all the features of a zombie. Come to find out it was a woman with fake blood and fake makeup trying to protest something. What the protest was, I don't remember, but it was so, like, unimportant that you were just like, really? And, and your way of protesting was to walk around Seattle looking like a zombie. I mean... The Cranberries would not be too pleased with this because now their hit title song is being disgraced by people like you. With all that, we got a lot of news stories, so let's check it out. Check it out. All 
All right, our first news stories. There is a god. Netflix has canceled Resident Evil after just one season. Thank why did you, Jesus? This show was terrible. It was again. Why is it so hard to to do a Resident Evil live action movie or series based off the Resident Evil games? What the fuck? Why didn't they cancel it when they had zero seasons? Would have done us better. It would have. It would have been better if this thing never happened. I mean, the biggest waste was Lance Reddick. I mean, he's a talented actor. He... I don't know why he was on this show. He should fire his agent. Alright, so then let me ask you this. I've not watched this show. Would you say it's worse than the movies? Yes. Wow. At least with the movies, there was something there. You could argue some of them weren't as bad as the others. I, I didn't like any of the movies, but I would choose the movies over the show. If I if I viewpointed a gun to my head, if I had to pick one. And the so movie sucked too. So what made this worse? Like, it was even more devoid of the story from the games? Yes, and the story decided to focus... It, it was basically a teen drama. And looking into the, uh, the writing team, the head writer used to be a writer for, like, the CW shows. So the, basically, they took Resident Evil, the game series, and says, eh, let's make it a teen drama. These two girls, and their father is Albert Wesker. And I don't even care that they basically race swap Albert Wesker, because that's, like, really the least of the problems that this show had going for it. It was told through a flashback and, and the future of the, and the current present, which was the apocalypse of the zombies. I don't know where the hell this show was going. The characters were very unlikable. I did not care for anything that was going on. And it seemed like I wasn't the only one. A lot of the show... I don't know who the hell the show was catered to. Because it sure as fuck wasn't catered to the Resident Evil fans. I, I just still find it funny. That Resident Evil... Instead of going... Even like the Walking Dead route. From what you're describing to me, they went more the Degrassi route with this. Yeah, the gra- yeah, Degrassi, something you would find on the CW route. Uh, oh my god! Why is this so fucking hard? I I don't know if it's necessarily hard, but like, it's just the idea that these people don't get it. They don't understand what made these franchises so lovable in the first place. Uh. I mean, I'm just glad to know that my Tekken bloodline was not assassinated with that. I mean, granted, there were things with it that I nitpicked, but you're going to get that from somebody who's a hardcore fan who's played the games and knows all the nuances. But with bloodline, they were so nitpicky that it was like, all right, that's not going to derail my enjoyment. But Tekken at least was Tekken. It was a fighting a story with a lot of lore attached to it. Resident Evil is so freaking basic. It's like a freaking virus uh, released from Umbrella Company, and now there's a zombie apocalypse. There's more to it, I'm sure. But that's the the basic gist of it, and they have specific characters to this franchise. Uh, Leon Kennedy, uh, Claire, uh, Jill Valentine. None of them were involved in the show. With the exception of Albert Wesker, and the, and the head writer was like, you know, you know, if we get another season, we, you know, we do have interest in bringing those other characters. But at this point, you already fucked it up. Who gives a shit? Yeah. 
why not bring Alice back? I mean, she was so freaking great in those movies. God. Get another blonde to go ahead and play her, because I guess Mila Jovovich is done playing that character. I, I don't know. She ain't doing nothing these days. What the hell is she doing these days? I don't know, but I could just tell you this much. And I'm, I'm making an ass out of you and me. I get it, but... They've made Resident Evil games still, and I still don't think they put Alice in any of those games still. No, they have no, no, that's not going to happen. Alice was strictly made for the movies because Paul wanted to put over his wife. Okay, put over your wife, but why couldn't your wife play a character from the game? He wanted to do his own thing. Yeah, well, (laughs) you want to do your own thing, don't do Resident Evil then. That's not yours, that's somebody else's. Name value. Yeah, name value. <laughs> you definitely brought your name value down after that, because what have you been doing since then? So far, I know Netflix said they wanted to get into the video game aspect and do, like, live action adaptations of them. And Resident Evil, they announced this a while back that we're going to get more involved in this. And so far, we've had this, and we had that animation series that we reviewed onto. I think Resident Evil should just uh, call it a day. I mean, Resident Netflix should just call it a day with Resident Evil. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's proof that they're incapable of making one piece of Resident Evil uh, entertainment make it exactly that, entertaining. Well, that's that. Our next news story um, involves the Crow remake. Oh, boy. Actor Danny Huston has joined uh, the actor that played uh, It the Clown in the upcoming reboot. Bill Skarsgård. For those that don't know Danny Huston, he was on American Horror Story. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the season of The Witches. The season with The Witch. Oh, season The Coven. The Coven. I still almost said Season of The Witch. <laughs> Oh God! Get you get your head out of that fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> he, he was the uh, the saxophone killer with the axe. Mm. And, and you he, had a, he had a crush on Jessica Lange. My mom's my mom pushed me to see season three because she really loved Kathy Bates in that season. So I do want to make time to watch it, especially since I think he was in that season. I'm gonna say yes. It's been because my wife and I have been just been watching shows. We just finished season five of Better Call Saul to get us ready for season six. It should be dropping on Netflix any day now. What season six? Yeah, I mean it just came out, so I don't know when it's going to come to Netflix. Oh no, 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 no! Season six just wrapped up. I know. That's why we finished season five. Now we got to watch season six. Yeah, I'm saying it should be dropping on Netflix soon. Yeah, how soon? I don't know. I'm hoping probably September. Yeah, I think we'll be too impatient for that. Oh well. Regardless, Danny Huston. He was also in Thirty Days of Night, that vampire flick. If you've seen that, he was in X Men Origins Wolverine. He played uh, Striker. Well, you haven't seen that either. Oh. <laughs> well, regardless, he's going to be in the Crow. I wouldn't be surprised if they make him. Who's he? Who would he play? Top Dollar. Maybe he could play uh, Ernie Hudson's character. Are they actually just going to reboot this movie and redo those characters, or are they just going to do their own thing? I don't know. This uh, The writer of the film is supposed to be a man by the name of Zach Balin. He wrote the film King Richard that uh, 
that was the movie Will Smith won for best uh, actor. Oh, after that, he slapped Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure what else he has in his resume, but that's the guy who's going to be writing the uh, Crow reboot. So. so it looks like they're moving forward with this Crow remake. Whoopee. Whoopee. So more to come soon with that. Yeah, this Crow remake's been in the works for how many years now? Yeah, I, they're going to have to make that a period piece. I, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Alrighty. Our next story. We're getting another one. VHS 99. Shudder is about to hit play on the fifth installment in our VHS franchise. Bloody Disgusting is producing VHS 99 coming exclusively to the Shudder app on October 20th, 2022. What was that show that Neil Patrick Harris was on? That sitcom? How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. So... There's a there's a gift file from the show that Neil Patrick Harris is on, and it's him putting a gun to his mouth and shooting himself. Just that this kind of fits the occasion for me when I heard this piece of news. <laughs> I didn't realize VHS ninety four was a very big was a very uh, big hit for us uh, Shutter. So of course it makes sense that they're going to want to do another one. If, if you put the letter S in front of hit, I would totally agree. <laughs> so I guess we're going to be uh, adding another VHS <laughs> review to our uh, episode in the upcoming future. Like, I think I may have pointed this out. Isn't I mean, they really are going by the name VHS. Very horrible stories. <laughs> very horrible stories. Yeah, because that's what it is now. Like, most of these stories aren't even that entertaining. What, what was the third one that we watched? Uh, viral. Viral, okay. I wouldn't call that a great movie, but at least it had me somewhat intrigued. I did like... I think I remember when we reviewed it. I did like the Parallel Universe story. There was something yeah. about it I liked. But... It was really... It was the issue with the third one, I remember we saying, was just, a, was just the overall... Uh, the overall story itself. The oh, one that's to, like, bring it, all, bring it all together. Yeah, the tie-around story. Did I say clown? It was an ice cream truck. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, yeah. Yeah, that was stupid. But all their tie-around stories pretty much suck for the most part. It was always the stories in between that kind of saved it, or at least one of them. But, uh... VHS <sighs> 99? Yep. And, okay. I, I assume we're reviewing it when it comes out. Of course. We made it this far. <laughs> I've, well, barely. I'm, I'm still, like, regaining my sanity from it. Well, so coming soon. Expect that review from us, VHS 99. But that won't be for another two months, October 20th. Oh, and, uh, shit. October's going to be a big month for a lot of slashers because you got the second season of Chucky dropping. You got Halloween Ends. Oh, Yeah. And now, from what I'm hearing, Hulu is going to be uh, dropping its uh, Hellraiser movie. So, there is a new Hellraiser coming out. Yes, I guess I guess the Hellraiser rights uh, got away from the Weinsteins, so I guess they don't own it anymore. And now uh, Hulu is going to be producing a new Hellraiser film, which is going to be dropping October 7th of this year. 
I just never found that franchise interesting. I saw the first movie, it was fine, but it wasn't enough for me to want to see any of the others. Well, the thing is with that franchise, I think it started with the third one, maybe, or the fourth. I'm not sure which one. Those stories were were not written as Hellraiser movies. It was it started as its own thing. It was later rewritten as a Hellraiser film. That's why a lot of those movies were kind of shit. The only reason those movies were made was because the Weinstein's had to make a Hellraiser film every other year, uh, or else they would lose the rights. Fox Fox had that same issue with the X Men. That's why they had to make a new X Men movie like every other year. Or else the uh, X-Men rights would go back to Marvel, and then, late, of course, later after that, Disney bought Marvel. So, if 20th Century Fox had to make a new X-Men movie, eventually, they would lose those rights to Disney. Well, of course, Disney's like, fuck you, we're just gonna buy the whole damn company, and then that's what they ended up doing. Sounds about right, because... Well, yeah, it sounds about because when I go to Universal, like, they do have X-Men material there, but... It's mostly focused on Spider-Man, Hulk, Doctor Doom. You'll see Captain America walking around, but yeah, I don't see really any X-Men material. So yeah, I guess it is a Disney thing. Well, yeah, now Disney, yeah, Disney owns it now. The only thing Disney really doesn't own is Spider-Man and the film rights to the Hulk, because that's still owned by Universal. It's 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 a little weird, but. Like, Disney can't make a solo Hulk film unless they get Universal's blessing. And I think they're rivals or competitors, so that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. So Unless they work something out, it's most likely not gonna happen. And I pray to God Disney says, hey, let's just buy Universal. Fuck you, no. Yeah. Fair enough. No, and that's Hellraiser, and I believe Pinhead is gonna be played by a female. <laughs> Who you calling Pinhead? <laughs> that should be his line. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of sad that that when did that SpongeBob episode come out? Like 2000, 2001, and we've had how many Hellraiser movies since then, and not one time has he what? ever. Had. No, they never chopped the hell you call him Pinhead. <laughs> 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 maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe they could have a Dirty Dan as one of his uh, <laughs> uh, what do they call those uh, characters? Xenobites? Xenobites, yeah. Yeah, you got uh, Dirty Dan. <laughs> maybe the Pinhead's backstory is he's Pinhead Larry back in his day. <laughs> they both died and became Xenobites. <laughs> <laughs> Every time <laughs> the big fight uh, is uh, somebody saying, All right, Pinhead, your time is up. Clive Barker, the writer and director of the original film, is going to be attached as producer for the uh, Hulu project. Now, I don't know what the hell is going on with the HBO Max TV series of Hellraiser that they were supposed to do. There has mm-hmm. not been any update on it in several months. And, and I heard David Gordon Green, who's directing the new Halloween films, was supposed to direct a pilot episode to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still happening, but with HBO Max practically canceling everything, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up not going, not happening. Hmm. So, so no updates on that yet. Yeah, let's see what happens. I believe Clyde Barker was also attached as a producer to that project as well. 
So, not your Hellraiser news. So, a lot of shit coming out this year for October. So, it's definitely going to be a pretty crazy month for uh, any horror fans. You got a lot of content coming out. Is Doug Bradley still playing the role of Pinhead? Uh, there, no, he's not attached. Um, some people are hoping that he gets a cameo uh, on the show in some capacity. Okay. But he has retired from playing Pinhead uh, twenty in the mid twenty tens. Okay, I guess yeah. If he's gonna retire, you gotta get some. I, I don't think Pinhead was that remarkable to where Doug Bradley, eh, look wise, I guess, but he didn't have like the over the top personality like Freddy Krueger had. So you really need Robert England in that spot. Who else can do that spot other than Robert England? And the thing with Pinhead, a lot of people don't realize is that he's not a slasher. No. I mean, no one no one really stands a chance against him unless you solve that little puzzle box. Yeah. And uh, the, what is it, like, certain people that can get back to life if they drink enough blood? Yeah, the, uh, if they, like, die in that room and, yeah, and, they're, and whatever blood, like, drips on the floor. It's almost like their soul is, like, in the planks of the floor. Mm. It, it depends because the first film it was a floor the second film it was a mattress alright and then I'm not sure because I didn't. I never watched any more Hellraiser movies after the second <sighs> maybe that'll be our go to make a Hellraiser month or some shit yeah I mean whichever because I know the first two are I usually see the first two movies all the time on like Shudder or on Tubi because mm. those two movies are kind of more independent Right. Compared to the other ones, they were literally like Weinstein Company and Friends. Good old Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Sick bastard. Well, we got one more news. And speaking of HBO Max, we have our CEO, HBO Max, David Zasloff. He plans to move Warner Brothers Discovery away from producing. He wants to get away from woke content. Uh, Cool. Cool. I'm, I'm giving this guy a standing ovation. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't it be obvious? Have we not, like, discussed this the last few episodes? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, he seems to be the first guy in Hollywood to realize we're not making money off of this. Heads are going to roll. Like, did nobody learn? There was a tea company. When I say tea, it's like drinking tea. Like a little tea place where you can go sit at a table, drink tea. Kind of like a Starbucks, but... I can't remember if it was England or Australia. It may have been here in the States. I can't remember which country, but it, it was an English-speaking country. And I remember they were going to get woke because, you know, the whole uh, women earn 77 cents to a man's dollar. So they were going to tax men, like, what was it, an 18% sales tax. I could have the story fucked up, but I know they were taxing men more. So if you went into the store... And a woman and a guy separately bought the same thing. The man was going to end up paying more because they're a man. They got to pay more because uh, 77 cents to a dollar. And they were like, oh, well, it's it's to bring up female empowerment. And what would you know? That's not empowerment. One year year later, the place closed. (laughs) Fuck you. Why? Because first off, as you said, Women did not feel empowered 
to have men having to be handicapped. And two, women who have boyfriends are not going to want to go to a tea shop when they know that their boyfriends are going to be charged up the ass. So it's like, I can't even take my man to this place. So fuck it. We'll go somewhere else. That's what happened. It just feels like at times these movies are trying to cater to an audience that doesn't even exist. They exist. If they exist, it's a very, very niche because they're not going out of way to, going out of their way to support these products. Well, that that's the problem. Like they're the type of people that will complain you need to have this in your movie, and then when they give it to them, they won't pay. It's I don't know what else you want. Like these people go out there and start saying like we need to have more diversity, and then the people will like drive diversity down your throat, and then nobody pays for it. It's like as we talked about in one episode, we may I don't know if we talked about it on air or off air. We were talking about the WNBA. Like these women want to get paid just as much as men in the NBA, but you're barely drawing fans. Part of it's because you suck. Most of you, let's face the facts. A lot of those WNBA players are just god awful. At least god awful to be put to be put on TV for the average viewing audience to be watching them throw air balls and not even land dunks right. Can't even do layups. It's like jeez. At the end of the day, women's sports is just not exciting as the men. It's a proven fact. Whether it's a WNBA, whether it's women's soccer, I don't even know if there's a women's hockey. I don't. I don't think that exists. Well, women's MMA did well. Women's Third. MMA is it its own league, or is it or is it built up as like a special attraction with the men? Um, it's built up as its own division, and okay, they have. So their- it's not its own league. It's its own division. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's women versus women, and they even have their own weights limits i think there too like women have the the flyaway the phantom weight and shit like that they have their own weight as well it, it didn't start out that way at first i don't think but i think they have a couple of weight divisions in the women's division for sure now is it as popular as it was when ronda rousey was the face of it no but ronda rousey did prove that there are women out there that can draw a national audience uh, but the thing is, is that even if the WNBA only had one good basketball player or at least one basketball player that was charismatic enough or endearing enough, the WNBA wouldn't be in the shape that it's in. But the fact is, they don't have any of that. The closest thing they've got is a Brittany Griner. And the only way she was able to make headlines was because she brought THC oil in a country that frowns upon that and was going to give her the book for it. And now everybody's outraged because she had the, she broke a law in a country where the law is pretty clear as day. You can't have this in our country. The point is, if you want to be equal to the men, you have to earn it. It cannot just be handed to you. That's not how this works. And the best example I could give to you on how not to do a show. Have you ever seen a trailer to Batwoman? I've the not ba- seen the trailer. Very first trailer. In the trailer, um, who's uh, Lucius Fox's son is now basically doing his job. Is now doing his father's old job. And Kate Kane, who's Batwoman, finds uh, Bruce's Batcave and wants to be the new Batman. 
but you know the suit doesn't fit and and lucius is like well the suit you know is literally perfection and then she says it will be when it fits a woman and everybody in the comments just rolling their eyes oh my god and then there's another line in the trailer which really pissed off everybody she says i'm not gonna let a man take a credit for for a woman's for woman's work first of all dipshit you went into a man's back cave stole all of his gadgets you stole his fucking suit and now you're saying he's not gonna take credit for my work you stole his shit <sighs> you know what you know what this reminds me of I, I, I remember there was this one guy I, I don't even remember his name he was a very harsh critic of the feminist movement and I never forget it so the woman is like going after him like it's two girls really but one, one was like being the cheerleader to the other and the girl's like she says the comment, and I quote, I will never teach my daughter to be reliant on a man. All right. So then the guy retorts back, you're saying that you will never teach your daughter that you need to be reliant on a man, yet you're taking alimony. Now, before I say the next statement, I will just clarify, because actually some people don't know the difference between child support and alimony. Child support is when it's mostly men, but it can happen to women too, depending on the circumstance who has custody. Child support is when your money is being taken out of your paycheck to pay for that child's needs, food, clothes, education, whatever. Alimony, on the other hand, is when you have a divorce and the person, supposedly, the person who makes the most money after the split has to pay their spouse X amount of dollars. Now, most of the time it's men because men are usually out, the ones out working, whereas the woman is the stay at home or they have the lesser paying jobs, whatever. I think the only one that ended up getting money from the woman was uh, Tom Arnold from Roseanne crazy but so he says you're taking alimony now she could have disputed this or she could have just said this is a different circumstance but instead she responds with i have three children acknowledging that she is taking alimony and completely contradicting the idea to teach her daughter not to be relying on a man when she's relying on a man to pay for whatever necessities that she has She's not getting child support to take care of her child because she said, I have three children, acting like as if he said, you're getting child support. He didn't say you're getting child support, you're getting alimony, which means that money's going into your pocket. Unbelievable with people. Probably a single mom in her mid-30s who drinks wine all, day, all night and complains about men because she's made bad choices. And has 40 cats. And the most recent example I can think of with this whole woke nonsense, because let's see, women are awesome. No man can ever talk down to a woman. Women can never make mistakes. If you see what's going on in the MCU right now, they're almost making like female clones of the successful male counterparts. You got female Thor, female Loki. Now we got She-Hulk happening. Oh, white people. I don't people know if you saw worst. that video, that viral video that was going around of the scene from She-Hulk. White people are the worst people on the planet Earth. They're super evil. Can't be trusted. Evil white men. 
even though those evil white nerds, those evil white men are responsible for a lot of successful properties happening right now, that are basically the woke community, even the, the letter community, are trying to cash in on, and the only thing they can offer to these franchises is gender swapping and making characters gay. Because we need our representation. It, that's, yeah. It's like, we need to have representation. We can't just have it make sense. Like, Brokeback Mountain was super successful because it called for it. Not because, oh, well, we gotta have a gay relationship happen on TV. Now it's like, wait, remember when Ellen DeGeneres came out as gay? That was a big fucking deal. Because this was during a time where, yeah, you came out as gay. That, that, that was career suicide at that point. Same with Freddie Mercury. But nowadays, like... Yeah. For the longest time, Neil Patrick Harris couldn't get work because he came out as gay. It wasn't until how he did How I Met Your Mother that re rejuvenized his career. That show saved him. So it's like now, if you're gay, it's like... It, it, it should be responded. This is just my opinion. It should be responded the same way I would respond to somebody that says I'm gay. I'd be like, okay, cool. That's fine, you know, but don't use we have, you know, we're gay. Those, don't use gay as a reason people should watch your show. Don't say... I mean, look at Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, the head writer, the creator of the show, says, you know, I hope people tune in because we have a lot of representation in the Muslim community. And I'm over here shaking my head. No, don't say that. You say, you know, we made a very fun show. I hope everyone, every fan of Marvel, tunes into our show. You're, you're literally trying to caterize your show into, like, with a, a specific group of race, hoping those people will tune in. What about everybody else? They can't tune in? And Miss Marvel was was the lowest rated show on Disney Plus, and now She-Hulk is being a, is the lowest rated show on Disney Plus because I don't know who the hell the audience is supposed to be for She-Hulk. You have a scene where or uh, uh, Jennifer Walters, who's who's She-Hulk, says to Bruce, "The reason I can control my emotions because I can do it a lot better than you. You know, I get cat calls." I have men try to hit on me all the time, and I deal with this on a daily basis. That's why I'm able to control my emotions better than you, Bruce. And I'm sitting here like, fuck you, bitch. You just made yourself so unlikable. Bruce Banner, this man has to live far away from society because he's protecting those people because he, he can't control the Hulk inside of him. Because the Hulk does a lot of damage. This man sacrificed his freedom. He sacrificed... He can't fall. The man can't have sex because the big green guy might might come out if his blood pressure goes up. But wait, but now son, this woman, I can handle my emotions better than you. Fuck you. Which is crazy because it's known that oh. women are more wired to use emotional feelings more than men. It's that that don't even make sense. But the funny thing is, is that. Back in the day, like there's a show that many people you may have heard called The Cosby Show. Regardless of what you think of Bill Cosby as a person, that was a successful black family living in Brooklyn. Guess what? There was some woke nonsense on that show, despite the whole entire cast was a black family. Because they didn't have to. You knew it was a successful black family. You already knew they were catering to showing black families that yes we are a black family who are successful but we're also not going to drive in the fact that this white privilege and oh white uh, white people are evil and racist 
That's why The Cosby Show is such a great fucking show, despite what Bill Cosby may be. Hell, Fresh Prince. I mean, here and there, they had a little bit of uh, race issues thrown in there, but it wasn't every single Well, yeah, you had your social commentaries, of course. But, But there was a story to them. There was a reasoning behind it. Here with the woke communities and, and these single moms who are now writers of these shows, they don't like telling stories. They just like to force the idea that they, they're ba- all these characters are almost like protesters. They yeah. just want to force the idea that women are better, we have empowerment. Who is this empowering? Who are you catering to? Even females don't like this. Because okay, Bruce Banner's his flaws is why we like Bruce Banner, because he's a tragedy. We feel so bad for him. We feel so bad that this guy cannot live a normal life because he has to deal with the Hulk. He can't control the Hulk. It's crazy to me because it's just like there have been history of shows where they starred a minority group, whether it be black, Hispanic, George Lopez show, it's no one, female roles, and you didn't have this issue. So it's clear as day you can have female lead roles. Buffy but, was successful. Xena was successful. Right. But here's Sarah the thing Connor, with- Ellen Ripley. The thing about those characters were they had the, a story. Whole, the whole uh, female empowerment or speaking out or me too or uh, men are evil and all that stuff. That wasn't the identity of those characters nor the show or the movie that they starred in. That's where the problem lies in. They, had, they all had their own struggles. Sarah Connor had to give up her life to protect her son because of the future war. She was committed to a mental asylum because people thought she was crazy. The poor woman, she gave up her life. And now she came and be around her own son to protect him. Not legally, no. So, it, it, it just goes to show it's like... It showed that these woke writers are clueless. They don't want to put it in the word because they want to skip all that. They just want to get straight to the, the message. And, and the best part is, is that when these things fail, they blame it on the audience. They're like, it's it's, it's the mis- it's the misogynist men. Look, I get it. There are certain critics that don't make any fucking sense when it comes to criticizing your product. I totally get that. But like to constantly revert to, well, it's the evil white men, the evil racist white men, Trump supporters that are hating on our product, dude. Look, Trump physically got less votes in both elections all right and they don't make up the majority here you are not making any money whatsoever even from the people that supposedly support your cause it ain't the trumpers all right because no way home spider-man no way home not a woke movie from what i understand did very it was was the most successful film of the uh since infinity war yeah, because it's not woke shit. Hell, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, are they woke? Nope. And they just, I rest my case. None they, of these movies are woke. Back, no. uh, the new Batgirl movie was super woke, apparently. One of the actors, uh, one of the actresses of the movie admitted to it. So, I said, well, no wonder the guy freaking canceled it. And the, but then you got movies like The Color Purple, let's just say, which was focused on the slavery era. Great fucking movie. Because it wasn't woke, it was showing what it was during that time period, and it was a well-written piece of 
relevant to the story. Yeah, it was a good movie. So, <sighs> unbelievable. I, I really don't have a stake in this fight at this point because it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I guess another point could be brought up. A great written series is Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. They kind of allude to the fact that Gus Spring may be a gay man because if you saw in Breaking Bad, his partner Max gets killed by Hector Salamanca right in front of Don Aladio and uh, Juan. I forget his uh, Juan something. I forget his full name. But it's kind of alluded that they were gay lovers. They don't force it down your throat. It's just alluded. Yeah, the CW is very guilty of this, and then that's really what that whole network is, and that's why all their superhero shows got canceled. You know who else is guilty of this? Seth Rogen. Yeah. He catered to them with that Christmas show he did. Santa yeah. Inga, it's called? Him, yeah, him and Sarah Silverman. Oh, God. Another woke comedian who went out... Uh, she like this is where you know you can't take her seriously she went out and said that her and another fellow comedian did a show they both performed i think the same amount of time and yet he got paid more not realizing that the difference between the two wasn't that one was female one was male it wasn't even the idea that one was more popular and one was not it was the idea that this guy was hired and she was an open call for an open mic that was the difference. He was promoted on the poster. She signed up for an open mic. Two completely different things. When you sign up for an open mic, you're basically testing out your material or you're asking to be part of the show. Whereas the other way was with this comedian, they asked him to be a part of the show and be the headliner. They went to him and she went to them. Exactly. That's the difference. And she got paid based on, I, I don't know how they based it on. Some Most uh, comedy clubs will base it on how many people you can bring in as friends or whatever. But that's the uh, situation um, we're in right now with HBO Max. Uh, David Zasloff, he's made a lot of questionable decisions. He's removed a lot of content off of HBO Max. He's, he's a mixed bag for me. Because he's, I mean, the, the, the new animated Batman show is, they pulled the plug on that. And right now they're shopping that show around to other networks, no, other streaming services is willing to pick it up. I know Netflix and I believe Hulu has shown interest, so there's going to be a little debate there. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But Zasloff, I mean, he's um he's been running Discovery since 2006. He's been CEO for them. Now he's CEO of everything since this whole merger has happened. So I'm pretty sure this is a whole new field for him since he's never really been involved in the movie business since Discovery's only really focuses on reality television. And it's gonna be quite interesting the next couple of years what's gonna happen with this app. Um, I'm I, you know, I hope it stays good. Obviously, they're eventually gonna combine. We mentioned the next summer, they're gonna combine both apps together. Hopefully they keep a lot of the good stuff. Hopefully he produces more good stuff and he gets rid of the trash. I mean, he, he was, I mean he's not kidding around. He got rid of Batgirl, $90 million project. And Saw was like, we're going to lose money with this shit. Cancel it. Lock it in the vault. I don't care. I don't want to see this ever again. Tear it up. And that's what's happening. Tear it up. He's also canceling a lot of child uh, children programming. I don't know what he's going to what he's going to do to replace that. So we're just going to have to wait and see. So, I mean, like I said, heads are going to roll. He fired a lot of staff 
in the um, executive department. One former executive has complained the staff was very diverse. And now I'm starting to wonder now, did he fire these people because it was diverse or did he fire them because they were diverse just for the sake of being diverse and weren't doing their job? I we have that. I had that issue. We had that issue as well with the CW shows. They literally try to cast certain actors just for, just for the sake of saying, hey, look at us. Watch our show. We're being diverse without actually writing these characters like the way they should be written. Yeah, I definitely think it's the latter because you're starting to see that now with a lot of things. Just hiring uh, different races for the sake of it or different genders for the sake of it. I mean, it's one thing they know how to do their job and they can perform well, fine. But if these people are responsible for these movie projects and all these shows that are not performing well, yeah, business is, I mean, he's got to make a business choice. Yeah. And his business choices, he's going to save some money. He's going to save money. He's going to fire the people responsible. Hmm. Now, hopefully the people he brings in to replace them would do better. Hopefully. You know, again, it's just a, a wait and see. Let it play yeah. out, as they say. We'll wait and see. There is one little news story that you didn't touch up on. Oh, okay. The floor is yours. We don't have to go too long on this because this... As you know, we reviewed the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space on this podcast. Yes. How would you feel if Killer Clowns from Outer Space became a video game? Ooh. Well, guess what? It's becoming a reality because they just released the trailer. There's going to be a beta release and the game, I think, is supposed to be finished and ready for everybody to play by early 2023. Basically, it's going to play just like the Friday the 13th game because one of the directors for this game is the guy who did Friday the 13th. You could play as one of the clowns chasing the people and killing them, or you could be one of the people running away from the clowns. Your choice. So, I'm very excited for this. They're also doing, the, the company that did Friday the 13th is also doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. So you can play as one of uh Leatherface or one of his family from the original series, or you play one of the people running away from him. That's so, awesome. I cannot wait for the Killer Clowns one, though, because I can't wait to be a clown and shoot people with guns and turn them into cotton candy and popcorn and all that. Or maybe get that one that does the hand thing with the, the shadows and turn it into a dinosaur and eat everybody up. It's crazy how all these cult films, like, 30 to 40 years later are like getting are now getting video games they're getting merch it's like every every year like these cult films get new merch killer clowns gets new merch every year hell maniac gets new merch the thing with killer clowns though that fascinates me is that at least with friday the 13th and texas chainsaw there's like tons of movies that were made of them and specifically texas because they just released one I think Killer Clowns literally has one movie to its name. Yeah. There hasn't been a sequel. There hasn't been a TV show that I know of. No sequel, no no TV series. Well, we, we mentioned that they want to try and do one. We'll have to wait and see. There's been no update on it. There's been no remake. No reboot, no nothing. It's just that one 1988 cult film. Yeah. So, take that for what you will. I just... 
but yes, I cannot wait for this game. I can't wait to play it. That sounds like very fun. I had no idea this was happening. That's that's awesome news. Yes, can't wait. Well, and I think we could. I think that's covered all the news stories we got for this episode. I think we could get on to the film. Yes, an adventure of a film. Yes, this was a film of your choice, The Poseidon Adventure. A film that came out in 1972. It is an American disaster film directed by Ron O'Neill, produced by Erwin Allen. It is based on Paul Gallico's 1969 novel of the same name. It has an assembled cast of five Oscar winners Ernest Borgnine, Gene Hackman, Jack Albertson, Grandpa Joe, Shelley Winters, and Red Buttons. Shelley Winters, I just saw her in uh, A Patch of Blue with Cindy Poitier. She played a racist in that movie. And this film is just, she, she, she was hated in that movie, and this film is the complete opposite. And of course, I remember her in that uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, how old can you make me look? Shelly Winter's old? All I can tell you is that every time somebody says Sidney Portier, I gotta think of that South Park episode when he becomes a big turtle. Sidney Portier! Sidney Portier! Anyways, yes. This. With a budget of 4.7 million, it has made back 125 million dollars, making it a huge successful hit for 20th Century Fox. And the music was done by the great John Williams. I'm not really crazy about the soundtrack of this film. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I you could have told me, I would have said, really, I, you could have, I, I was surprised when I read John Williams. Wow, he did the score for this film. It didn't feel like him. Yeah, this, must, it, this must be his early work. This is way before he ran to Spielberg. If there's one thing I can critique about this film, is the soundtrack. It's not really that, and it's not even bad. It's just forgettable. Yeah, it's forgettable. Yeah, it's forgettable. Um, I didn't. Well, I hear some facts here. Gene Wilder was considered was originally cast as James Martin, which is played by the actor Red Buttons, and uh, he dropped cool. out. And singer Petulia Clark was was offered the role of Nani Pare. Plus, I don't know, Patricia Clark, she sang that song. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. It's funny because I thought Gene Wilder would have been uh, Reverend Frank Scott, played by Gene Hackman, near similarities in the way that Gene Hackman gets into the Frank Scott character when he's getting real passionate and screaming. I could see Gene Wilder screaming off the top of his lungs when shit hits the fan. Yeah, um, I was actually introduced to this film by my mom because uh, I obviously had watched Titanic several times. And she told me about this film called Poseidon Adventure. It was kind of same deal. And I saw it and I was like, hmm, it's actually not a bad film. It's pretty good. And yeah, I still was, think that. To this I was, yeah, I was pretty surprised how much I enjoyed it. So, for any of you that do not know, the scenario of this film it follows a bunch of characters so i guess we'll get into um lieutenant mike rogo and his wife linda they're an interesting couple because uh mike was at one point a police officer lieutenant and his wife linda was a prostitute <laughs> so you can imagine the, the the correlation there like linda her dilemma is because there's a big New Year's Eve party that's about to happen later that night and Linda doesn't want to go because she thinks that uh, a former client of hers will see her there and make an awkward situation and he's just trying to basically tell her, dude, 
get over it. There's this no way it's like astronomical that somebody that you have may have slept with will be here. And he actually made the revelation to her because I think she used the uh, argument against him. Oh, man, you arrested me like six or eight times. And he said, well, I had to do it to get you off the street so you would marry me. Guess he had a crush on her. You got that. You've got James Martin who's jogging on the boat. You got Reverend Frank Scott, played by Gene Hackman, with his uh, other fellow uh, reverend. I forgot who, what the name of the other reverend that he was talking to. It was a much older guy. But uh, his philosophy was, if I have it correct, was that he believed that we should not always have to rely on Jesus and God to save us out of sticky situations. We have our own ability to save ourselves. So that's an interesting character. Um, forget their names. Oh, it was um, Susan was the older sister. And I'm trying to remember the uh, young kids. Oh, um, Robin. Typical punk, uh, typical couple or brother-sister relationship. They're always like, you're a loser, you're a loser type of deal. And then um, you talked about, uh, what was her name? Uh, Shelly Winters. You had uh, Belle and Manny Rosen, the old couple, going over. Shelly Winters and uh, Grandpa Joe, Jack Albertson. Jack Albertson. Oh, yeah, he actually walks in this movie. He doesn't lay in the bed. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. He's got feeling in his legs. He's about to die. So, anyways, they're there. I think they had, like, some sort of necklace that they wanted to hand to their grandson. Yeah, they're going to Israel, I guess, for a family vacation. Well, yeah, the grandpa wants to do... Grandpa. I still call him Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe wants to go there more for the tourist attraction aspect of Israel. But uh, Shelly Winters really was wanted to go there to see her uh, grandson. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Grandpa Joe wanted to see the grandson, too. But he wanted to do more than just see the kids, see his family. He wanted to tour around. And there's one other character that I'm forgetting. It's the blonde girl that gets with um, James Martin, who's written buttons. Uh, uh, Nani Perry? Ah, uh, Nani. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's just she's basically a hippie, and she has her brother there playing music. Oh yeah, this is this is a '70s movie. You could you just watch it. Like, yep, this is the '70s. Yeah, you see, late 60s, early 70s, it's because her brother literally has the mustache, the long hair, and uh, they're playing that song, what's that stupid song? It's the song that I hear in Kung Pao when Betty's about to beat up the chosen one. Um, you also have another character, uh, Roddy McDowell, he plays the uh, Acres, he's one of the guys that serves cocktails and drinks. Uh, or for more modern fans, he voices the Mad Hatter in uh, uh, Batman the Animated Series. And of course, you have Captain Harrison played by the great Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, and here he's not really goofy. He's a very serious character. Oh, no. He he wasn't goofy until he did Naked Gun in the late 80s. Because he said, for the longest time, I've always taken myself as a serious actor. Mm. And no one knew he was funny until he did Naked Gun. The TV series at first, but then the series, when it got canceled after the first season, gained a cult following through uh, VHS releases. Uh, a big following enough, Paramount says, what if we did a movie and let's just see what happens. They did the movie and the movie was number one in the box office. Leslie Nielsen in his 60s was the highest grossing at, was the number one draw at the box office. Never give up on your dreams, it's never too late. Leslie Nielsen proved us. 
But yeah, at this time, I don't think he was even a name. I mean, he was he was kind of like a, a B player. He was just a guy who just kind of did movies here and there. But he was he was not on the level of Gene Hackman at this point. Hackman, he was fresh off of, uh, I believe, Best Actor for uh, The French Connection. They finally go to this New Year's Eve party. And it's a big celebration. It's the typical stuff. Um, one thing that you'll notice is that the uh, young kid, uh, I just said his name earlier, Manny. Oh, no, not Manny. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Susan's a sister and... Robin. Robin. Robin, yeah. He's very interested in boats, so he's always asking all these questions to like the captain and all that stuff. So he's always wanting to know certain things about the boat and all that. There's one point where Captain Harrison, Leslie Nelson, gets called to a station. And it's from there that it is revealed that a tidal wave is coming. A tidal wave in which they cannot prepare for. So, everybody's celebrating New Year's. They do the big countdown. They're getting their wine glasses filled up. Oh, there is something of note that should be mentioned so there's one point in particular where everybody's sitting down and and getting ready for the big celebration and uh bell has this fascination when it comes to people being single she always feels like everybody should be married and was constantly asking james when are you gonna get married and bell's husband manny is just like oh god she just can't stand to see anybody single this side and the other and all that stuff. So, anyways, get the big celebration. Everybody's getting ready for a big New Year's Eve thing. And midnight hits. Everybody's celebrating, hitting streamers, drinking their wine, blah, blah, blah. And they're singing. And eventually they see the big tidal wave. And eventually they hit the alarm. And everyone's just like, what, what's going on? And the boat is tipping over and, and for 1972, some of the shit that happens in this film is crazy. So as the boat is tipping over, there's one part where the guy lets loose of something that he was holding on and goes through like the glass window. There's explosions happening. And so virtually the boat just completely flipped upside down. So now the top of the boat is underwater and the bottom of the boat is facing upward. Bunch of people dead. Uh, Who's that girl? Uh, Nani, her brother's dead. Yeah, Leslie Nielsen's dead. Yeah, Leslie, well, uh, he got killed when the, the tidal wave hit him, but... Yeah. Uh, most of these people died from impact from some of the blunt force trauma that was caused to them. So, they're looking around, making sure that everybody's safe. And I think it was Acres you were talking about earlier. He's, like, standing on this platform that used to be down below and was asking to come down but somebody had brought the idea that maybe they should go up because now the boat is upside down and frank scott basically was like yep you're right we gotta go up because there's no way that we're just gonna sit here so they grabbed this christmas tree which had fallen and actually landed on somebody and tried to use it as a platform to get up so one of the things that he does, Frank Scott, is asks um, James to go around and convince all the people. And the only person that he can convince is Nani. And Nani didn't even want to go because her brother got killed. 
So, but he convinced her, like, dude, you, your brother's gone. But I, I would have danced to his music. Whatever. Um, Belle didn't want to go up the tree because, she, and she said this, she's too fat. She ain't gonna be able to climb up that thing. And as they're going up, oh, oh no, another one that didn't want to go up was uh, Linda because, no, 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 it wasn't that she didn't want to go up, it's that she had no clothes underneath her. She just had panties. And and Mike was just like super furious. Next time you put some clothes on, damn it! I was just hoping that he would have said evil in this movie. He didn't. Evil! <laughs> But yes. Um, but eventually he got uh, Robin to go up the tree. I think Gene Hackman said, "Look, we need a we need a monkey to go up there." Yeah. So as they're going up the tree, Frank goes to his fellow Reverend and wants him to join them. But he said, "I can't leave these people. They're they because most of the people were staying because they were told by a captain of the ship, don't go anywhere, just stay put. We will get rescued." And he didn't want to leave them. He wanted to like be there for them. Meanwhile, Frank and one of the captains gets into a mini argument. And eventually, all the people, the main stars, go up. And as they're going up, that's when a big explosion happens and the water's coming in. And everybody's trying to climb the tree. And Frank is doing his best to tell everybody, calm down one at a time, one at a time. And then the tree just tips over. That's it. They're all gone. They're pretty much done. So, um... The next step is to try and and wiggle their way through certain obstacles. I think the first thing that happened was is that they had to go through a room that was really really hot. Is that the yeah? I think that was the next one. So they had to go through a room that was hot, and I think they went through that with no issues whatsoever. It wasn't as bad as they thought it was, but I think I think the door was like burning hot, and they thought it was like a fire. Yeah, yeah. It could yeah. be wrong. Once they open it, they realize, oh, wait, no, it's not a fire. It's just that the door was metal and they were yeah. taking such precautions. Right. But then there was one point where they had to go and climb a ladder to the next room. And on the bottom was just water. It was just filled with water. And keep in mind, throughout this whole ordeal, Akers is hurt. He's got an injured leg. So, and while Frank is trying to guide everybody to go up, uh, Mike is just being, he's being grumpy. He's just like constantly berating Frank, saying, this is no use. What are you doing? You're not being smart. And and the kid, uh, Robin, is talking about facts about the boat that he knows about from talking to captains. And Mike is just like, dude, you're a kid. You don't know what you're talking about type of deal. And, um, Eventually, they try to climb up this ladder. Everybody's going one at a time. And eventually, the boat like has a sudden explosion and Akers falls to his death into the, the water and fire. Frank, or not Frank, uh, Mike tried to rescue him, but it was just no use. Meanwhile, um, Nani and James were still on the ladder and, and Nani's just like frozen scared. She can't go up. She's just like super freaking cautious. I've been in that position. Yeah, it's it's scary. Especially, yeah. especially if you're afraid of heights. Eventually, James is able to convince her to go up the ladder and after they get up, Mike and Frank get into an argument because Frank was like, you're supposed to save him or rescue him. And uh, Mike is like, I tried my best. Nothing I can do, blah, 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 blah. Um... But then, 
they see another group of survivors and they're walking towards the bow and frank is trying to convince them no we got to go to the stern because the bow is underwater and they're like nah we're not gonna listen to you fuck you so then mike and frank get into another argument and frank is like i'm gonna prove that we got to go to the stern mike says you got 15 minutes 15 minutes you're not back we're we're heading to the bow so as Frank is heading up to the stern, uh, who is it? The older sister, it was uh, Susan, follows him because she's just been enthralled with him. Just like she's connected with him on a personal level. They go, they find a way through where they have to go and eventually convince the rest of the group to go to the stern. But now it's underwater. One of the parts of the section is underwater. So now, Frank has to go underneath the water and go through the path with a rope tied in between or right around his waist to be the guy. And it's from there that uh, Belle wants to do it because she was a swimmer. She could hold her breath for like three minutes or some shit. Thing is, is that she was 17 at the time. Eventually, Frank goes, gets caught underneath some sort of uh, doorway. So he's trapped their concerns so she goes in after him rescues him and celebrates for a second but then she dies of a heart attack but right before she dies of a heart attack she tells frank give this to my husband and let him give this to our grandson well part of the deal was he had to tug on the rope once he found land and they didn't so frank or excuse me mike swims in after him and it's like what the hell why didn't you pull the rope and then he's like, I was trapped. And then Belle saved me. And he's like, Belle, you did a great job. And he holds him like this, like, no. And then he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, now what are we going to tell Manny? So he goes back, tells the whole group. They all swim. Oh, come to find out that Nani, who was also afraid of climbing up a ladder, who was also afraid of climbing up the tree, also couldn't swim. Like, he didn't do anything. <laughs> so... James, once again, has to persuade her to keep going because he's not going to go without her, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of a liability. Well, eventually they get through. And that's when Manny finds out that she had died and he didn't want to keep going. And Frank basically, yeah, Frank basically said to him, like, dude, before she died, she told me to give this to you and told you to give this to her grandson. Don't let her death be in vain. So he goes... All right, let me just stay here for a little bit. I just want to say goodbye. He's like, you got one minute. All right, so they continue on. They climb up this ledge, and then they find the little uh, hollow thing from the, the bow that's supposed to be like one inch thick or whatever the hell it was. And that's when they were convinced, oh my God, this is the way. But as they're walking, another explosion happens. And uh, Linda falls to her death. She falls and hits a great height and is on fire. And then for some reason, Mike, I mean, yeah, I understand Mike's upset. It's his wife. But he starts saying that Frank murdered her. He killed her. Yeah. Like he went out of his way and pushed her off. Well, now he feeling guilty about this right before they were about to continue there was steam blowing on the hatchet that was preventing them from being able to open the door through the the stern 
So now he gets mad because he's thinking that God is working against them. He's like, we've made it this far. Well, it's one thing you don't want to help us, but you don't have to work against us. So he climbs onto the wheel and he's like, if you want to take somebody next, take me. So while he's like dangling, he's spinning this wheel and eventually the smoke goes away. And he basically tells the rest of the group, go on, just go. And talks about uh, Mike, or says his name, but he says it by his last name, Rogo. Rogo doesn't even look at him. So then he just drops and commits suicide. This this scene shocked me because this was your leading man. This was Gene Hackman. Yeah. And on top of it, it's a sin to commit suicide in Christian faith. So it's just crazy. Yeah. So anyways, Susan freaks out because she connected with him so well. And that's when James, James, keep in mind, I've been rushing through the plot, but James, of all the characters, has been more the comedy guy. He's had serious moments in this film, but for the most part, he's been like the little uh, charming goofball. And he actually is the one that sits there and yells at Frank or yells at Mike, dude. What kind of a police officer are you? Always quitting, always doubting everybody. You want to be the hero? Here's your chance now. Stop freaking bitching. Stop feeling down about yourself and do something about it. So then Mike just gets all razzed up, opens up the hatchet. They're in the bow. And all of a sudden, they find out that the little boy who said it was only one inch thick. And Mike just looked at him like he's an idiot, the little kid, or just your little kid. They find out it's very hot and they start banging on it and then they hear banging on the other side and they feel rescued. Eventually somebody welds through the the, the stern and asks how many people are there. There are six and the six people are rescued and they get into a helicopter and that's the end. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought there was going to be a scene where Mike and uh, Frank were just going to fight each other and then eventually Hackman would, would, they would basically fight to the death. And Mike would just could because Mike is kind of like descending into madness, especially after he lost his wife. And I'm glad they didn't go that direction because because they fooled me. Mike kind of became the hero in the end. He became the leader in the end, and you know, leading led them all to safety. Yeah, and it would have been too unrealistic because this film, for the most part, wasn't too ridiculously unrealistic. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like. I mean, obviously, it was special effects and stuff like that, but there wasn't something super outrageous that it was like... That took you out of the moment, yeah. Not even necessarily took me out of the moment. Just that everything that happened, you can see happening in real life. It wasn't so over the top that it was just unrealistic to happen in the real world. Everything that happened could happen for real. People could, like, swim their way through and and get out. Could it be unprobable? Maybe, but it's not impossible. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of that in this film. So, a lot of suspense, a lot of good uh, moments, a lot of uh, character development. Great acting. Great acting. acting is really high quality here. Gene Hackman was fantastic in this film. You felt the passion in him. There's one part in particular I didn't even mention. When when Bell dies from the heart attack, he's like the crying, the absolute anguish that he felt for that woman dying because he felt like she was so strong as a as a person. He said yeah, not just saved his life. He would have died. He was going to drown. Yeah. 
he felt so sad and it, and you felt it it was almost like as if he was really sad so yeah i i strongly recommend this film because it's a it's not even two hours it's like shy of two hours but they do a lot of things right like every character just seems important nobody seems like a throwaway character maybe with the exception of acres but even then i don't find them to be that much of a throwaway everybody else has some sort of significant thing about them that that sticks out they have their own personality yeah, everyone stood out in their own way. Nobody was annoying. Even uh, James Martin Red Buttons, he was kind of more the calm, a bit of a, co- a comedic relief guy, but not to the point he took you out of the moment. Yeah. Not like with a Roland Emmerich film, you would get with his movies like Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day, where it's just too much comedic relief to really, it, to the point it hinders, it hurts the film. There were some moments that were comedic. Or some moments that were just hugely ironic, but yeah, some like maybe some lighthearted moments, like the idea that a cop married a prostitute is just comedic in and of itself. Yeah, but it there was a lot of good to have in this film. Everybody did well. There was nobody that underperformed. I think everybody performed well. Um, Great cast. I, I, we mentioned Hackman, uh, Ernest, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Losing Nielsen, uh, Red Chelsea Button. Winters, uh, Grandpa Joe. Ryan. I like how you call Grandpa Joe. His name is Jack Albertson. I, Grandpa Joe! I've been calling him Grandpa Joe my whole life. <laughs> now I gotta change? Yes, because Grandpa Joe had no way of walking. This dude had no walking problems in this movie. And I felt bad for him because he lost his wife. Yeah. Everybody lost somebody. The only people that didn't lose each other was the brother and sister. Yeah. They were the only ones that didn't lose anybody. And and I guess James and Nani didn't lose anybody either. Well, they didn't have anybody. No, no, Nani lost somebody, her brother. Mm-hmm. James probably didn't lose it because he was by himself. Yeah. But yeah. And, and technically, Susan lost somebody. She lost Reverend Frank Scott. That was her, like, her armor. Yeah. So really, the only person that didn't lose anybody was probably Robin and maybe James. That was about it. The other four lost people. So everybody changed for that matter. So, um, yeah, I, there's not really a boring moment in this film. I've watched it plenty of times. I think just this one sitting, I wasn't like, because I've seen this movie several times, but whenever i when i first watched it like th- this had me glued to the tv set it is definitely an interesting film from beginning to end in my opinion yeah this definitely one um i i guess the 70s was kind of the start of like the disaster films because i remember there was another film my father was a big fan of and that was the towering inferno that had uh steve mcqueen and paul newman in it and this film uh poseidon took home two academies i believe for best here. Best visual effects and best original song. Uh, there was a song to the film. They probably played in the credits, maybe. I don't remember it. Yeah. And, and John Williams got nominated Academy for best original score. And Shayla Winters got nominated for best supporting actress. Interesting. Yeah. But I still think that 
if I had to sit here and try and compile some of my favorite 70s films, I'd have to really rewatch them. I know Halloween would definitely be on there, but this would definitely be on there. I, I would say these two, Willy Wonka, really good 70s. Oh, Exorcist. Exorcist, um, I would even possibly put The French Connection on here. Oh, how can I forget? The Godfather, one and oh, two. Oh, fuck! One and two! Yeah, this, this would be up there. Um, I, I would have to give Taxi Driver another watch. Oh, fuck, Rocky! Rocky, yeah, that's another one. It's Rocky 2, when did that come out? 80? That was, no, I think that was 79. Okay. I mean, Rocky 2 may make that. I'd have to sit here and think of all the 70s movies I've yeah, watched. I'll have to get back to you on that, yeah. But That's yeah, on my head, this is definitely up there. I really do like this film. It's one of my favorite suspense thriller films. Yeah, because I I'm a sucker for seventies thriller films. Uh, this <laughs> another good one would be uh, the Taken of Pelham One Two Three. Um, I know they remade it uh, with uh, Denzel and uh, Travolta several years back, but the original with Walter Matthau and uh, Ben Stiller's father's in it, Jerry Stiller. It was it's a really good movie. Yeah, uh, of course, Death Wish with uh, Charles Bron- uh, Charles Bronson thinks his name is a pretty good one. Jeff Goldblum, that's Jeff Goldblum's very first film. See, you said Charles Bronson. You got to say it like that, uh, Gary Oldman in uh, True Romance when he's like, Hey, yo, Marty, you know what we got over here? Motherfucker Charlie Bronson. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, if you're asking for my rating, two thumbs up for sure. Oh Love yeah, this. that's that's a no-brainer. This is a yep, two thumbs up. This film, everything when it comes to character development, this is what I want out of a disaster flick. Just give me characters I can care about, characters I I can invest in, characters mm-hmm. I want to see it make it to the end. And pacing, pacing. Because you got to figure this. It's almost a two-hour flick. It's but it doesn't feel like a two-hour flick, especially. Being that we are after this generation, and this film came out in 1972, nothing compares. And I was introduced to this because of Titanic. And Titanic was a three-hour film. Now, this film is an hour shorter. So if you like Titanic, if you really love Titanic and the whole entire scene where the the boat is sinking, you'll definitely like this. It's definitely... Technically, this came out before Titanic, 20 five years before Titanic. There has been sequels and remakes to uh, to this film, The Poseidon Adventure. You have the sequel that came out in 79, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, which they was also based on a book. Um, I believe Sally Fields was in it, and uh, Michael Caine was in that as well. Um, you had the miniseries that came out in 2005, which I heard was terrible. Mm. At least according to the comments on IMDb, it seemed like nobody liked it. It seemed like they just, it was very cheap. And then of course you had the 2006 remake, Poseidon, which was directed, as I mentioned, by Wolfgang Peterson in our last review. Um, You've seen that one. I did, and it wasn't a horrible film, but it just lacked all the charm that the first movie did. This one was just, it had the same demons that most remakes do had because 2006 is a later year and technology is better the technology while yes was better did not make for a better film i think the limitations in 1972 and how they had to hit the effects just hit better and and of course 
nothing against Kurt Russell, but I think yeah, he was in the film. He was like the the, the leader of the group, if I remember correctly. Nothing against Kurt Russell, but I don't think he had anything on Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman was just a great leader. Yeah, and and I, and I like Kurt Russell too, and and he was fine. Kurt was fine in the uh, remake. I, I recently saw it. Kurt yeah. Russell was in it. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss from Jaws, he was in it. Friggin' Stacy Ferguson, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas was in it. I forgot at one point she tried to have an acting career. Yeah, well, she decided to act in the uh, subpar version of Poseidon Adventure as opposed to the, well, she wasn't born for the original, so. Well, she didn't have, she, the only film I remember her being in was uh, Planetarium, and after that she was like, I need the Black Eyed Peas back. Well, well, see, there you go. You said Planetarium. In South Park, the guy calls it Planetarium because he has a rare bone disease that uh, prohibits him from pronouncing the T in Planetarium. I, I didn't mind Poseidon 2006, but, like, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was all right. I, I, I've I, seen much worse remakes. I mean, it, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, I've seen worse remakes, too. But I would say it's on par with the Willy Wonka remake. They're both fine. They're just not as good as the original. I would slightly take the would take Charlie over Poseidon. Even though Charlie Chalk Fact is probably a longer movie. Poseidon, it's, they clocked it in just about 90 minutes. So they're definitely trying to go for a 90-minute movie where they can get more replay value, replay time in the movie theaters. Fair enough, but... It was, and... It was whatever. You know I, what I mean, you know, it's a forgettable remake. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty forgettable. So, but Poseidon Adventure, the original, like, there's... I just skimmed through the movie. But you have to watch it for yourself to see some of the charm that these characters have. Specifically, uh, Ernest Bornheim playing the the disgruntled lieutenant, his wife being the prostitute. She has some quick wit to her as well. Um, Gene Hackman, his fantastic acting. Uh, Red Buttons being a little comedic. There's just a lot, there's a lot to go for it, so... I think it's an underrated movie. I, I Poseidon Adventure, I nobody really talks about this film as like great disaster movies. And maybe it could be for the fact that it came out in the early seventies and I feel like a lot like a lot of people get turned off by like old movies. I guess because of the technology? Yeah, that's 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 what it is, a technology thing. Now when people think of disaster movies, they think of like the Roland Emmerich movies. Um and maybe like, I don't know, Transformers and Battleship. Fucking um, this, I would say, give this film a chance. I mean, dude, Absolutely. it stars one of the guys. Who, it stars the guy who voiced Mermaid Man in SpongeBob. Evo, definitely give it a chance. And this two thumbs up. This is a great film. Gene Hackman's still alive, ninety-two years old. Yeah, I last read that he's retired from acting since 2004, and he lives in New Mexico, and he just rides bikes. Yeah, he's. I, there was a picture recently of him, of uh, him on the internet floating around. I don't know. It was a picture of him and a family member. But yeah, he's he's keeping himself active, healthy. Yeah, I mean he's old. He does look old, but he doesn't look like he's dying. So that's good to hear. He, I would pro- he's probably the same age I would think as uh, Clint Eastwood. He's 92. 
He's 92. I got to find out how old Clint Eastwood is. I know Clint is in his early 90s as well. I want to say Clint Eastwood's a tad bit younger than Gene Hackman, because I think Gene Hackman was born in 1930. Yeah, Hackman's 1930. Clint Eastwood is also 1930. Oh, yeah, they're... Oh, interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, Gene Hackman was born in January. Eastwood is born in May. Wow, I did not know Clint Eastwood was that old. I, I, he, this man's still directing. He's still making movies. I wish I could be 90 and still be active like him. What was that? Yeah, he just what was that? Cry Macho was the last movie that came out earlier this year. Hmm. I'm like, I thought this guy was supposed to retire after Gran Torino. Gran Turismo. Gran Torino, yeah, 2008. That was supposed to be his last movie. I love how it, you had it right the first time. And you <laughs> I was like, Torino, Turismo. Torino, Turismo, Torino. Get off my lawn. Yeah, Triple H, he freaking quoted one of, in his promo, he quoted a line from that movie. I think he says, you know that guy you shouldn't mess with? You just know you shouldn't mess with? I'm that guy. And he got that line from fucking Gran Torino. Because Clint said the same exact thing. I assume he said that in his view with Randy Orton. I think so. I know, yeah, 08, 09, yeah, that's when he said it. And, of course, in the movie, uh, Clint Eastwood said it with the F word. You know that guy you shouldn't fuck with? I'm that guy. Wouldn't surprise me as soon as the Cash Me Outside girl got fucking popular, friggin' Xavier Woods popped that line out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, a lot of wrestlers steal from movies. From the most famous one, well, I would think would be Mad Max. Everyone kind of had, like, the Mad Max look in the 80s. Yeah. But, overall, uh, Poseidon Adventure, give it two thumbs up. I'm assuming you haven't seen the sequel that came out in 79. <coughs> no, I did not see the sequel. Uh, I, I don't know if that's streaming anywhere. I don't know if it's any if it's, if it's any good or if it's as good as this film. I'm assuming the plot is the same. Who knows? Oh, my uh, God. I, my mom did not push me to see that, so it obviously wasn't worth it. No, I mean, they had, it has a bigger budget, $10 million compared to $4.7 million, but it only drew back $2.1 million. Ooh. Guess I should tell you something. Yeah, and uh, the original Poseidon was a high successful film of 1972, 73, when the year it came out. Hmm, 72. And so this film was a complete opposite. How do you make a sequel to a film like this? It's That, that is a little puzzling. Yeah, I'm like, well, well, what are they going to do here? Another boat's going to tip over? Yeah, like, it's like trying it's to make a Titanic. <laughs> it's like a Titanic sequel. I don't know, what's it going to be about? Well... Somebody recreates the Titanic, and that also hits an iceberg, and that also sinks. And and it's going to be a love story, too. Oh. A love story, yeah, where the guy dies, again. This time, like... girl's poor, and the guy's rich. Yeah, they never let go. Kind of like us with this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Never needed a sequel. I was thinking we could, we could do like a cinematic universe. Maybe we could do like a Hindenburg disaster as well. <laughs> Tie it all in. <laughs> we could yeah. do Arbor next. Yeah. Except one problem. When you're talking about disaster, I mean, we're talking about this film franchise as a whole. It's a disaster. <laughs> and then we could do like a prequel movie with Pompeii. <laughs> yeah. And then we could do a prequel to the sequel. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yes. 
long episode. We had a lot to talk about. We had a great film. And coming next week, I'm going to say it right now, we're going to do the remake of Maniac with Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. I think we may do two movies because there's another movie on, on... They're both on Tubi. There's another movie called Maniacs. Maniacs. It's uh, Jeff Fahey. It came out in 2001 and it's a tribute film to uh, the original Maniac with Joe Spinell. So basically, we're getting two Maniac movies in tribute to the original 1980 cult classic. Okay. I will give it a shot. So, for Terminator Travis, from Monoxide... Jesus, I can't speak tonight. From Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis. Evil! Evil!